You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to episode 10 of At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Glad to have each and every one of you here. As always, we have our usual cast of characters, Angie Brenneman over to my left, our family ministry pastor, lead pastor, Chris Knight over to my right. Uh, Hi, I'm Joel. Good to be with you, all of you again. Thanks for tuning back in. Um, One of a series of conversations that we plan to have uh, into this holiday season um, that uh, will begin next week with our Lenten Lenten discussion, our Advent discussion, get my church calendar right. Uh, But before we do that, we are so fortunate to have a special guest in with us today, Serena Dykeson. Serena, welcome to the show. Good to have you you here. Yeah, thank you. Um, So Serena, you just had the the unique privilege of talking with our MOTTS group, that's M-O-T-T-T-S. Initially, when I saw that, I was like, someone's doing a lot of typos here. They've got (laughs) one extra. But basically our mom's group that meets uh, here at Wakarusa Missionary Church, Serena just gave I mean, a presentation of presentations, and I'm sure many meaningful conversations that always follow these sort of things. So we've we've taken her from downstairs, and we've rushed her up to the studio here to continue to share more with us. Uh, so she's get, getting the real walkie MC experience today. Is it, has it been okay? Is it it's going been on? great. Awesome. I'm so thankful. I'm, I'm glad. We're, I'm not fishing for compliments, but if uh, if we need to improve something, just let us know. I will give them. Time. All day long. So that's awesome. There you go. <laughs> that's awesome. We we're so glad to have you here, Serena. As we dive in, I guess just we always like to just get the the bio, the information, the kind of the thirty thousand foot view. What is your ministry about? What are what are you about? Uh, talk to us about your family. Uh, that all that good bio information that kind of helps set up the rest of our conversation. Okay, so I'm Serena Dykeson. I'm the founder of She Found His Grace Abortion Recovery. Um, We are a global ministry that uh, helps women choose life, but also find healing if they've made the choice of abortion. Um, And we just meet them with the same grace that we've been met with, um, what I've been met with. And um, let's see, um, I've been married for 28 years. Um, I have a daughter who is 28. I'm a nana. I have a son who's 26. Um, and we are empty nesters and God is just taking us on an amazing journey with him. And we are just loving this ride that God has us on. Excellent. Excellent. Well, what a, man, what a time, uh, in your life, many things going on and we've already picked up from early conversations. Uh, Serena is, is a busy lady, uh, all over the place. Uh, really, we just have this real strong sense and we love to see it. The investment in this ministry I'm sure you feel like there's not enough hours in the day to do all the things that um, where you feel there's significant need uh, these conversations to have. And so we're at least very privileged just to have to have a chunk of your time in your space uh, just to uh, have the conversation. So, uh, as always, we just have a series of questions that like as we have heard you talk and have looked over kind of uh, both everything from your book, which we'll definitely be talking about as well. There's a series of questions that we're just saying, hey. This all hits home for us in some way or shape or another. What what are like the practical questions that we know that people are asking about the things that you have shared about um, just ministry to the to the folks, the families that you're ministering to? Because it is about real life. And so, Angie, why don't we just kind of 
I want to set you up to sort of say, I know because there's another conversation, there's many conversations that you've had around this with uh, just a group of women, moms of all ages and life experiences. Um, why don't you just get us rolling with the first kind of uh, talking point here? Because we're just we're just going to grill Serena for forty five minutes, yes. and uh, she yes. seems ready. She seems ready. So let's let's see what happens. Well, I think if um, if you were listening and you were with us this morning, you know that uh, this subject became a bigger concept. I, I asked the gals, even in sitting um, listening to Serena, to come with an open view because I think as Christians, I think as the church, the word abortion. It brings a lot of like messy stuff with it. But I challenge them that this isn't a, a women's right issue. This isn't an American issue. This is a humanity issue. And I, and I just set this up because I think we have to realize that why this is God's heartbeat for the unborn child is because it was already talked about way back in the Psalm of David in uh, Psalms 139. And so as we read that God formed us right from the beginning of time, he knew everything and knit us together so perfectly. I just gave them a picture. And I think Serena, you gave such a great picture this morning that our God, he loves each one of us. There is nobody that is invaluable to him. Everyone has a purpose, a plan. And um, this whole story you painted um, of redemption in a way of what um, oftentimes does not come when you hear the word abortion. And I just, I also wanted to um, enter this conversation that this has been talked about since the first century church. Because the Christians, those that had believed and knew the story of Jesus, Joel, you know this, this church history, they set themselves apart from society. We're not living in anything different that they didn't face right. in the first century church. Right. And as we're talking about, I mean, right, it's a human, it's a human rights issue. Uh, early on, what Christians were known for is because in the Greco-Roman world, if you, if your baby was born with any sort of potential issue or as namely, a woman, if they were a, a baby, girl, girl and they weren't mm-hmm. going to carry on the family lineage, you took them up to the nearest mountaintop and they, it, was, the it was death mm-hmm. by, it was death by exposure. And Christians began, I mean, I just, the image is powerful, began combing the countryside for infant children just left, left out to die. I mean, this is, so this is part, uh, this is a, a theological and historical biblical truth, but it is, it is part and parcel the early for, of the early formation of, of, well, call it what you will, community service and life preservation yes. um, by the church. And so uh, this is really just continuing on in a very long tradition of this and this, converse, this conversation. Yeah. So. so setting up Serena and her story, yeah. you entered the picture. Mm-hmm. So give us a little background why this resonates so deeply with you and what your story is. Yeah, so my story is um, I came from a broken home, did not grow up in the church. And um, and so when I was actually 13 years old, I was sexually assaulted. And um, uh, that resulted in an unplanned pregnancy. And we went to our family doctor and there was some misplaced compassion. Um, and that's something I want the church to really understand um, because there are women that we talk about, talk to all the time that will have certain uh, situations in their lives and it's met met with misplaced compassion instead of biblical truth, right? And so with my story, you see a 13-year-old girl who's been sexually assaulted um, as she has an unplanned pregnancy 
And really what our family needed was people to say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Let's figure this out. But instead, unfortunately, our family doctor suggested abortion. And that was a word that I had never heard in my life. I had no idea what that was. Um, And so when, you know, I was taken to an abortion clinic and something that they they did was separate me from my parents and they do that. So they did that. So my parents wouldn't change their mind because they're out to make money. And so, um, you know, I was told that it was just a clump of cells. I was not educated at all um, on fetal development. I did not know. Um, What I can tell you is that day changed our lives forever. Uh, My mom had a mental breakdown for two weeks. Um, My dad eventually left our family. And I began drinking at an early age just because of that pain. I did not want to – I didn't want to feel that pain. But interesting enough, society says that your sexual assault is more damaging than an abortion. But if you think about it, trauma plus trauma is going to equal more trauma, right? And so I think that's what people need to understand. Abortion did not undo my sexual assault, right? Um, It only added more layers to what we had to unpack. What we needed as a family was love, support, counseling, and none of that was offered to us. And so um, at 16, I ended up pregnant again, but Planned Parenthood had been in our school. So parents need to understand um, that there are people coming into the schools that are teaching your kids an agenda that they need to know. Um, so ask your kids questions. I actually um, had a conversation with a bunch of uh, girls last night, middle school, high school girls, and something that we we did, we passed out fetal uh, models. And one of the girls, she said, is this actually a baby in the womb? Because um, I'm in child development right now. And they said that it's not a baby until it's almost born. So parents, Christian parents, I think sometimes we can be naive and not really know that side of things. So ask questions. Um, But for me as a 16-year-old, I knew what abortion was at that time. I didn't know at 13. And Planned Parenthood actually said, you're young, you're poor, you're in school, you should abort this baby. And um, my now husband, um, we went into the parking lot and he said, um, and he grew up in the church, but his family never talked about abortion. He didn't know what it was. Um, And we found that to be true last night in the church setting, girls not knowing what abortion was. And uh, I just shared my story for the first time. And he said, you know, I don't know how we're going to figure it out, but we'll figure it out. And we chose life that day. And um What I can tell you is the church was so awesome in supporting us. Like, they held our feet to the fire. They're like, we're going to stop doing what you're doing, the shenanigans over here. But we're going to show you how we're going to give you a baby shower. Our youth group gave us a baby shower. So weird as I think about it now, but it was awesome, right? Um, And then also um, they taught us how to budget. They helped us find housing Um, They didn't enable us. They set us up to succeed, and that was the key that we needed. And so um, we both were able to graduate from high school because people babysat for us, and they really supported us in that 
in that spot. And um, I'm going to be really honest. Bruce's parents were great. Like the shock, like they're a shock, obviously. Like you don't anticipate that, right? Um, at, but they handled it with care. And, and sometimes we get families that come to us. I have young girls that will come and they'll say, um, I'm pregnant, but my mom's in church leadership and she does not want the church to know. So she's pressuring me into aborting the baby. And um, so we will tell these girls, hey, you know what? We, you're going to trust the Lord and you're going to hold your parents' feet to the fire. That's what we're going to do because God's word is God's word. It doesn't change, right? And so um, I was thankful for Bruce's parents. Yeah, it was a shock, but they supported us. I My family was falling apart. It was not very good. Um, I actually got emancipated. I um, moved out. I was living with another church family that took me in. And um, we were raising our daughter. Um, we graduated. Uh, by 23, we bought our first house. We thought, we're doing so great because odds were stacked against us. But we thought, we're, we're great. Um, but I had a miscarriage, and it rocked my world. And I didn't understand grief. I had not grieved my aborted child, and I did not know how to grieve my miscarriage child. Um, those are two areas that we don't walk through that grief process, right? And so um, our marriage began to suffer. Um, I made my husband a villain um, because he just pressed through. He didn't know how to. He didn't know how to grieve. So I viewed him very much as a villain. Um, didn't understand that at the at the time, but as we've um, walked through our healing process, we've learned um, that process. And um, also because of my abortion, I had lots of physical issues. I, um, I, my ovary ruptured. I almost died and I had to have a complete hysterectomy by 29. And I did not associate that with the miscarriage. But um, now that I know that is very common for women who have had abortions to have those issues. Um, by the time my, my kids hit middle school, um, we, I was really just struggling with uh, parenting, parenting uh, kids, my kids. I felt like I was not worthy enough to be a mom to my kids and just really struggled with that. Yeah. Um, just kind of, yeah, just really struggled. I didn't feel like I, I was worthy enough to be a mom or a wife. And so um, just really had planned to divorce my husband. I moved out of our house and just really was in a path of destruction and um, I was drinking all the time, left the church. Um, the church had no idea. Um, um, that was not on them. That was totally on us. You know, um, I know I struggled with, I wish the church would know, but I didn't know how to, we didn't know how to reach out for help. Right. Um, but we, uh, I had a night where I had, I had been drinking really heavily and I had gotten to a point where I would text people and people would come and get me. But on this particular night, people were kind of just tired of me. And I say that was the best night of my life, even though it did not feel like the best night of my life because I had to get to the end of myself. I had to get to this place where it was like, okay, I just have God. That's all I have right now is God. And I just got in my car and I just wept and I just wept and I was just what I love is that God saw me at my messiest, at my brokenness. You know, I was a hot mess expressing, yet God said, I was just waiting for you to stop running. Like, 
you know, I w- I've been here the whole time waiting for you, but you were running. And God just met me and lavished me in a love that I had never felt in my life. And I knew that it was time to go home both physically and spiritually. And um, what I love is God was preparing my husband's heart too. And by God's grace, I made it home and we began our healing process. And um, it was just a beautiful process. Um, I went to a counselor that was at our church. I love that guy to pieces, but I felt like I couldn't tell him everything because I thought, man, he's going to go back and tell people in the church and what are the people in the church going to think? Yeah. And, and something, you know, this is a, this is the point of the conversation where we have already talked so much about um, this idea of, of what the church omits, this Mm -hmm. kind of omission uh, struggle. It breaks my heart as a pastor who desires for not for for my community to be the first place that someone thinks of when they're in trouble when 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 the everything when the <clears throat> all the odds seems against them when they don't know where else to turn that it's like our greatest hope would be oh Jesus community that's that's the place that's the place to go to and yet you've already mentioned several instances and this kind of going back to the beginning several instances where it's what will the church think? What will whatever? And then that creates this barrier and this boundary for some significant help. And and I and I will say, like you know, I I've I've been in a few situations where there's the teen pregnancy situation, and the youth group is is asking the question, what what do we do? My thought is, tell me what you think. Err on the side of heavy grace in that situation, but. By the way, when you do that, it doesn't mean that you're empowered. Like, it doesn't mean that you're saying it that it's okay. It just seems that we have these unnatural in religious worlds. Sometimes these unnatural, like, oh, listen, if we help them out, that's basically us just saying, yeah, get, go go on your merry way and continue what you've been doing. Um, we can do better than that. I I I think so. I love the fact that you had a youth group that threw you a baby shower. Because I feel like at that point, there's enough churches that would say, well, if you do that, it's, it's much to what you're saying here, Joel. Uh, if we do that, we're celebrating something we shouldn't be celebrating. Uh, I want to back up, though. I just want to say to you, well, what a powerful story. Um, and thank you for not wasting your pain. I think too many times in life we bury our pain. Uh, but you're taking the pain and allowing the Lord to use it in a powerful way. So I'd like to just simply say uh, thank you. Talk to the church. Uh, you, you just uh, teed us up here, Joel, for the concept of omission. Uh, what I'm finding, especially in this area of the Midwest, uh, we have a lot of teens and parents that they, the parents don't know how to even talk about sex, let alone abortion and the shame of, of uh, uh, what happens or what will my social group think if something like that was to happen to my children. Talk Talk to the talk to followers of Jesus. Okay, yeah. Uh, what what do we need to know? How do we do this better? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, we need to have conversations with our kids. Like last night when I was talking to these girls, they're like, "Man, we we want to know about this information because they had missed they they didn't have the right information." And so they're like, "We just their faces lit up." with being able to have that permission to like, we're going to have this conversation over, talk about 
sex. We're going to talk about abortion. We're going to get into the nitty gritties of this, right? And they're like, we want to, we want to know, but also we we take it as um, a biblical lens. You know, we always want to bring Jesus into it. And so we we let them know, you know, this is God's standard, not because, um, you know, he thinks sex is bad. It's a great thing, but he wants to protect you. And that's really what he's trying to do and help them understand what that is, because they're getting bombarded with so much social media, so much stuff that's like breaking down these barriers. And so, um, yeah, just having those conversations with your kids, like, Go to those uncomfortable places because if you don't, Planned Parenthood is so happy to do it for you. Like, they're happy. Yeah, so it's not as if the conversation isn't happening. It is happening. Mm -hmm. We're just failing to share the other side of the story. Right, Right. absolutely. Of hope that we can find in Jesus Christ. right, right. And and the beauty in them waiting. Like, there's beauty in waiting and just explaining, like, hey, you know— if you make this choice, it's going to mess up things. And and something that I I said to him last night, I said, you know, like you're um, a lot of these girls are trying to find their identity. Like they have broken father figures, right? And so I know what that's like to have like what's my identity. So if you know um, something that I shared with them last night is you know my husband, the day that he said we were going to figure this out, he became I put him on a pedestal. Right. Um, later in our story, I had to remove him from that pedestal. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it was like pretty painful for me to figure that out. And I told those girls, like, we need to know our identity in Christ, because if you're looking for that identity in this guy, he's going to let you down. If he is not following Jesus, he is not your future husband. <laughs> like, let's just, you know, he is, he should love the Lord more than he loves you. And you should love the Lord more than you love him and really get into those conversations. Um, but I think, you know, just having those honest conversations with, with these girls so that they know the truth about sex. They know, they know what happens with abortion. There were g- girls that didn't even know that word. And I want them to know that word. Is it uncomfortable to talk about it? It is. I wish I did not have to talk about it. And Serena, I thought it was really good this morning because I want to point this out. You said girls, mm-hmm. but you also said your boys. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a huge – I thought that statement this morning was really good for all the moms to hear. Sometimes this abortion issue seems to be a, you know, a women's issue. And I think you said – Educate your boys, educate your girls, talk about, and I even think it's bigger than just the sex talk. I think it's the value of human life and who the creator, and because I think we all know in church, um, we love to talk about creation and we talk about how God created Adam and Eve and, and the value of life that God put on it and said that this is good and all that. But there's not a lot of that being said outside these walls. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm, and as the father of three young boys, the eldest being 12 here soon, and we're like, we're just tiptoeing into like, like the, the nature of the conversation is progressing, right? It's just equally as uncomfortable every single time where I take the deep breath and I just do it. I do a check in with like, where's my, where's my kid at with his understanding? And I need to, you know, I don't. I don't want to go, you know, full uh, full uh, R-rated plus with him yet, but we're not we're not in G anymore either, you know, like there there's there are realities. Um when it comes to and and maybe I don't even there's not really a stat for this, but when it comes to abortion prevention, 
how much is maintaining the nuclear family and uh, so num- number one there. So moms and dads staying married, how much does that contribute to the conversation? And number two, uh, you mentioned men, uh, either abusive fathers or absent fathers. If you were to, just, I, and I know I'm asking you like to spitball a percentage, like if you were to say like, Hey, when it comes to my ministry, I could I could work myself out of a good ministry job right now if if we got you know if we move the dial in this in this area or if we saw improvement in this area. I mean, is that is that a fair understanding? Because you've brought that up in in your own conversation, in your own story, and I and I know that it's it's a it plays a part. Tell us yeah. more about that. Kind of give us a give us a parameter for yeah. what's contributing to this. Yeah. So um, I can't give you a number. I don't know a number off hand. But I can tell you a factor, trauma. Trauma is a factor. Um, so what happens um, when we have women come to us and they're like, hey, um, my boyfriend or my husband's pressuring me to have an abortion. Um, something that we've learned is those men, something's triggered in them. There's a lot of fear and it's usually a trauma that's happened in their life. So that's their response. We're go get an abortion. So we have to understand that we have a lot of wounded people and a lot of trauma that we need to work through. Our our churches are so hurting, right? And um, so for us, we're always trying to get into that root issue of like, okay, let's get to the roots of this stuff. So that is something that we see. We see a lot of wounded men that are like, I don't even know how to talk about any of this stuff. And so what we found in our organization is we're seeing God move in beautiful ways where men are like, I didn't even know that was a pain point, but here I am. And it's so beautiful, and it's restoring the whole family because we need healthy fathers, right? Um, And so also for us, we talk to our women about, you know, like they're looking for men to their identity in these men. And so they're just like, I love him so much, so I'm going to go get an abortion, not realizing that um, their families are going to fall apart. And they're going to be mad at him. Yeah, <laughs> she's he's going to be mad at her. Yep. And you know they're taking the bait of Satan. That's mm-hmm. what they're doing. And so we just want to point out, like, hey, you're falling for a lie. You're falling for a lie. You think this is going to be a quick fix to your family, and it's just not. Your family's going to fall apart. Doesn't it? And doesn't it just disregard the fact? You know, we we're in a lot of conversation right now around the whole idea of, you know there's a kind of a, a philosophical framework in the West here in particular about understanding personhood, just like who, who a person is. And, you know, we come from, and Christianity has been largely influenced by it historically that basically like we're a head on a stick essentially. So what happens to your body is just your body. It's really, it's really the stuff in the mind that's, that's important. And there's, there's kind of a, a, a dualism or a division between the two of that. The fact of the matter is, however, and again, you're living proof of this, and I'm sure the countless stories that you have heard, what happens to you physically is impacting you mentally, and also the way you think impacts you physiologically. You're, you you have a physical and bodily responses to that. So simply, to, and not to be crass about this, but simply removing an unwanted pregnancy from your body, you've not dealt with the problem at all. Like, and so I think the, the trick is, is to say, Oh, look, your real problem is this unwanted pregnancy, remove that. And then all, all is well, all you've done is created 
another mm-hmm. trauma, as you've said, and then you are, have now built an expressway into the next series of uh, resenting one another, division, uh, the guilt, the shame, all of those sort of things. And, and you know, the industry that has, that has a major stake in all of this, they're not having any of the conversation around that. And it seems that so much of the work that you do is like, hey, there's like a there's like a second chapter to this story that no one's that no one's talking about, right? So, right, right. and I, I that's the truth about it. Like, there's this lie. Um, even the girls said last night they're like, "Well, they said abortion is normal," and so um, I said, "Okay, so as you've grown up as a little girl." Um, I'm pretty sure your heart's desire is I want to grow up to be a mom. I said, how many of you guys um, have grown up and said, I want to end the life of my child? And they were like, that's the reality of it. We don't grow up and say we want to end the life of our children. That's not the that's not how we're wired. But they had never thought about that because Planned Parenthood has put so much money and so much out there of this is normal. This is just normal. But, you know, something that we found as a team, because I, I have an evangelist heart, so um, we we do outreach, and we actually went to the Women's March. Um, and as we went there, we had conversations with people, and these women are post-abortive, and they're so hurting, but it's helping them make that connection of this hurt that they have of, you know, this is a pain point. You know, that was a loss of life, and um you know, really, that's, you know, the heart of our ministry, because we want these women to find healing, because if they can find their healing, and they can find their voice, and there's an abortion minded woman, um, she's 85% more likely to choose life if she can hear our stories. And so we want to get these women to a place where they can share their stories, that they walk in the freedom of Christ. I think that's the key, right? That's the key. Um, freedom in Christ, you know, because Jesus died on the cross for all of us. And that's really our heart and our mission so that they know, um, because they'll say, Serena, I know that Jesus has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. And it's like, "Mm, show me in the Bible where it says that you have to forgive yourself. (laughs) You're not going to find it. Then there's no point of Jesus, right? (laughs) And so, yeah, just getting these women in that place and and also just walking alongside these men that have made the choice of abortion, um, we really, our hearts are to help them find that healing um, so that they can help others choose life. And yeah, that's our, our mission. You know, so much of what we're talking about is a cultural issue. Uh, we have culture that's telling us abortion is okay, it's normalized. Uh, along the same lines of a culture, uh, here we are sitting in a church today. Uh, I'm just going to make this statement because I'm going to say it, and it's going to live on the Internet for the rest <laughs> of my days. Rest of your days. But here's the reality. I want to work the rest of my days to change church culture. I am tired of a church culture in America where we're more concerned about what song we just saying what what how comfortable our chair was and uh, we say ministry is messy and we say we want to be a hospital but we don't act like it and so my days uh, you guys are staring at me like hey, i know you come said on, that come, we you get it that. we you get it that. no stop <laughs> saying that no we believe it 
but I believe it. Yep. We have to get our arms around how do we make an impact in our culture as followers of Jesus uh, in order to, to do the greatest good. So, so Serena, before we pushed record, I asked you uh, a question that I wanted to ask you, but I haven't heard your answer because I wanted to wait for this podcast. As a pastor, um, I don't know how many pastors are going to listen to this. I hope a number. Uh, talk to us as pastors. What do we need to know? Yeah, I, thank you for asking that because um, with what I do, I, I face a couple camps, right? I face I face pastors of like, I don't know what to do. Sometimes I, I get the, uh, no, this is way too uncomfortable to talk about. Um, but I think really what pastors are saying is like, I don't want to hurt anybody. I think that's what it is, right? And so um, the ladies that come to us, they're like, they they make the comments, well, our church didn't talk about it, so it must be okay. Or I'm so hurt from a past abortion that what about me? Like where there's no help for me. There, so there must be no hope. There mustn't be no forgiveness, right? And so as a pastor, I think, you know, we want to talk about it with grace and compassion and tell the truth, you know, the value of life. Um, really hit on that, but also just say, hey, um, you know, if you've made this choice, you know what, there's forgiveness in that and point them back to where they can get help and that hope and that healing. Um, because I know for for what we do, our post-abortive women, like they're just so waiting for someone to talk about it. They're so waiting to know that there's there's help. They don't even know there's help out there. And so I think that's super important. And also just being open to say we're a pro-life church and you know what? We're going to be this neighbor to someone. We're going to open up our church doors. We're going to be the church where if someone's facing an unplanned pregnancy, I know that I can go to that church and that they're going to support us and they're going to help us navigate um just like my church, you know, that was just such a beautiful example of, of Jesus, you know, of just like, okay, you guys are, you faced an unplanned pregnancy. We're going to biblically walk you through, um, you know, we, this is what the Bible says about that, but also we're going to support you in this and, and just know if your church family can know that, and then that's going to spread, right? Like we just see things spread. It's a ripple effect. Just like um, abortion can have a negative ripple effect, that love of Jesus of just actually doing Absolutely. stuff and opening the doors has a ripple effect. And I think, too, it's such a, a model for our next generation. And I think that's something that has failed this conversation. And I think you said it, if we can keep them away from the clinic before they even, if we can yes. get them from coming to the clinic. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so I want to follow up on that. And I think you gave some, some good advice to answer my question I'm about to ask already. Um, we live in a protest culture. Uh, we feel like uh, we protest everything. I'm seeing followers of Jesus at every kind of event protesting things these days. Uh, I grew up, I had a person invest in me very early on in age, uh, Paul Woods. He was a, a staff member of mine who was older, but he, he, he said, one thing that bothers me is church signs that are shaking their finger at people who are driving by instead of pointing them to the hope and the love of Jesus. Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of become a mentality of a church setting where we're going to let everybody know what we're against and we will close you down. 
that's our goal is to pick it and protest everything. Yep. I, I still think that there's a place to take a stand and say this isn't right. But are there some really tangible ways? And like I said, I think you already alluded to some of it. What should the church do? I mean, protest is one, but how do we let people know yes. that we love them, care for them as a person? We're really putting Serena on the spot. What should churches do? So there's that. And what should they stop doing? This is <laughs> protesting. This is prote- so Can we stop? Is stop yeah. protesting. We'll Can stop we stop? Pro- <laughs> we'll stop protesting. <laughs> I no will signs. say it. Okay. No signs. You know what? Right there. That's that's our clip right there. That we'll, yeah. That's how we're going to market yeah. the, entire, yeah. the entire interview. Yeah. But what, it's, it's the yeah. Bob Newhart. Stop it. Stop it. Stop Just it. stop it. Because because to your point, I mean, I have driven by, and this is just an example. I mean, when you drive by the church sign that says, and this is a little church, literal church sign, saw it, uh, you know, note to unbelievers, enjoy the cold weather while you can. I mean, if that is the, if that's the, um, the vibe that you're putting out, like that is the last place that I'm going to go. Right. right? So, so what can we do practically and what can we stop doing? Yeah. So, um, yeah, protesting, stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be going to D.C. And our team purposely, we will not wear pro-life stuff. We will not have our signs. Like, that doesn't mean I'm not going to go for the March for Life because I'm going to do that. Yes. But when I'm going, I really want to see people as God's kids, right? And so my heart is, our team's heart is to go and we want to offer conversations and change minds. And you cannot change someone's mind if you're going at someone. Like, stop it already. It drives me crazy. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that's been like the pro-life world. And it, it just breaks my heart because I'm like, why do you have to just go in and try to destroy someone? Like, they're not going to listen to you. And I think by the numbers, Serena, that battle has been lost already. Right. Like, like, we just got to wake up, folks, and just right. say, okay, we've been fighting with those tools for a while. Uh, yeah. Set your pride aside and yeah. say we need, to, we need to look at something different. Right, right, right. And so I think for us, you know um, – we're not going to we're not going to protest um when when I do go to the abortion clinic which I do I'm a trained counselor I that is something that's near and dear to my heart but to be honest we got to reach these girls way before. before they get to the clinic because it is really hard to reach them um but um I think getting into to the mindset of what we can do, um, you know, just offering resources. These ladies need to know that there's resources because what happens? Fear, abortion is always going to be driven by fear. Always. What are people going to think? People are people pleasers. Um, they don't know their identity. And so what we need to do is say, hey, we have these resources for you guys. Get them in the hands of people. Um Know that the, be known as a compassionate church that's going to love people well, um, and then you know, like like you guys said, the the going at people. I see people go at people on the internet all the time. I'm like, stop it. Um, most often, when someone's spouting off, I always say we're like sponges. What's in us is going to spray out on other people. So recognize hurt people. How do we how do we best see this this person as God's kids? Because, you know, a lot of times they'll say, oh, we have these women that are so angry and they're just like, we want abortions. I'm like, they don't want abortions. They don't. They're wounded people. So let's see them as God's kids. And I think something that Bruce and I say all the time is I think the church needs to see this as really um, abortion is really a a place that we've missed the boat Mm -hmm. as far as reaching people. This is an outreach. It really is an outreach. And just like... 
I always think of Teen Challenge like drug addicts. Like, okay, you know, we we are so excited to see their lives transformed, but let's let's what's the redemption story in the unplanned pregnancy? What's the redemption story for the woman that's had an abortion? There's a greater redemption story in turning that pain into purpose, and, and so, it brings life. And that's it does. The, and you said it, and you said if I, no matter what I do, if I can save one life, yeah, I've it, lived my day, and it's been good. That's just it, like mm-hmm. one person. And so when I um, the first time I spoke on the Supreme Court steps, um, I asked my friend afterwards. I said, "You've heard all the stories of these post-abortive women." I said, "What stood out?" And she said, "They just needed one person." Just one person. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Let's just be that one person. Um, you know, when I travel the country, I always talk about abortion. It's never off the table for me. Um, but mostly because people are like, why are you in town? Why are you Ubering around? I'm like, I'm so glad you asked. Let's have this conversation. I've never once had someone say, can you please stop talking about this? It is always met with, please tell me more. Um, the last time I was in... Um, I was in Albuquerque and the Uber driver, I had the conversation with him and here he was taking girls to a late term abortion clinic. And I said, do you know what, do you know what happens there? He had no idea. He's like, I don't want to take girls there. And I said, please don't be that one person for them. I mean, people just don't even understand abortion, what's happening. And so just having that conversation. That story right there just shows that one person in the right place can make all the difference in the world. Be ye Uber driver or, yeah, or a pastor or whatever the the case might be, Uh, mother, friend, whoever. So Yeah, I think we um, heard you say this even in your time here today that it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a pastor to make a difference here. You don't have to be. You, you have to be a friend. You have to be a follower of Jesus who loves people and to walk with people. And we all know, and listeners, you may know somebody. You may even know that you need to have a conversation and just reach out and say, hey, my church just had this conversation with this gal that I heard about, and I don't know much about it, but let's look it up on the internet. Yep. And that's how you're found. And I think yep. this is so cool because this ministry that you founded, it's like people just look up the hashtag you said. People find you by a hashtag because they're so desperate for help and so desperate for somebody to care. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people find us through hashtags. They're looking for pro-life Christian and um, and and that's what they're looking for because there's not a lot of ministries that's Christian and pro-life. Like it's the craziest thing. Like you would think. But I'm going to be really honest. A lot of people I work with are Catholic. Yeah. Um, that's the world that I'm in. And, and actually, they're like, Serena, when are you converting to uh, a Catholic? I'm like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get the Protestant church that's, on board. <laughs> uh, hey, there you go. We, plenty, of, plenty of work to do there. So, so it's so good. Um, but I just, I love it. You know, like you guys had me in and I love this so much because like, I just think we don't know how to have this conversation. And I love that you guys are like, we're going to go there because it's so important to have that conversation. But I think one of the girls that went through our program, she had talked about how just how broken she was after her abortion and literally in bed for weeks, didn't know what to do. Her husband didn't know what to do. And just searching hashtags, and that's how she found us. And that's how women are finding us because they're so desperate. They're so broken. And um, then through that, I 
the other part I love is um, these ladies, when they come to us, they're like, I'll never tell anybody. I'll never tell anybody my story. I'm like, oh, girl, you're going to tell your story <laughs> because, you know, we're going to stop making it about us, but we're going to make it about Jesus. And uh, I love that they're helping other women choose life. And so this week, one of our girls, she's like, I'm helping someone choose life this week. And Beautiful. I'm like, praise the Lord. Beautiful. Yes. So your ministry, let's talk a little bit about this. Um, she Found His Grace. Mm-hmm. It's um, based on the book you wrote, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that book is out there available on Amazon. You can purchase it on Amazon. But this is a place that you can find, a landing place. Mm-hmm. You're in a conversation with somebody. Resources are needed. Um, understanding of this whole post-abortive, you know, um, recovery. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Where um, maybe even a listener can find you. Best way to get in touch with you. Mm-hmm. I actually love that the podcast is this time of year because I think the holidays are really hard for people, and so this is this was perfect, you know. Um, but come to my website, shefoundusgrace.org. Um, you can reach out to us. We actually have uh, classes. We have a two-phase uh, program. Uh, we walk through forgiveness, and we learn how to mourn the loss of our children. And then the second phase of our program is turning that pain into purpose um, because we know that God wastes nothing, and we want to we use what he has done in our lives to redeem our lives. And there's some resources that you shared this morning with the gals, even um, here that you've given to me. And um, one of the things you said is you got to have a place in the church mm-hmm. for the for this um, person that's searching, even not made the decision yet to choose life or not, and to have that conversation. And as a church, you recommended a couple different ways. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think of what you said. <laughs> Have a place for the uh, yeah. the cards to be out. Oh yeah, and yeah, available. yeah. So yeah, so something. Um, I have resources, and I put my cards everywhere because people can grab those. We um, we put um, car- a little QR co- code on there so that they can scan it. It makes it super easy. It gets to their phone, and they can just pull that up. And it, we wanted to make um, as a team. We're always thinking about how do we make it easy for these ladies to get the help that they need. Um, so, you know, take our resources, put it in the bathroom, leave it, um, leave it in Ubers, leave it <laughs> wherever. Because someone, I mean, one in four women in the church have had an abortion. So we want to make sure that we are getting information to them so that they know that they can choose life and we can help them heal so that they can use their voice to help others choose life. Absolutely. Uh, This is an issue that is affecting over 2,600 babies every single day in the United States. That is an astronomically huge number. And uh, again, I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. I believe that uh, I, I am it's not that I'm unconcerned about what any other organization is, is doing in this regard, but I know what we are called to do specifically, and I believe that we can move the dial in a really important way by having open dialogue conversations about this, by being informed, um, understanding, uh, being willing to go to, uh, to, to less than comfortable places, uh, because that is what Jesus has always called us to, is to go to the marginalized, go to the places that 
darkness is prevailing and bring light to it. So Serena, we're glad that you're part of bringing light to things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you're doing. Yeah. No, thank you guys. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah. And if you're listening, you are a fully um, supported ministry with gifts. And um, so you you can find that on our website as well to help support our ministry and what they do. And uh, we're going to have Chris close us out with prayer. But before we do, just as a reminder, you're going to find all of, we're going to make Serena embarrassingly easy to find as well on our website over at walkiemc.org under the at home tab you'll you'll see all that stuff there uh, in the show, show notes um, we're just grateful and we're looking forward to uh, future uh, conversations in this season um, but boy Serena has kicked it off uh, she's set the bar high here she's kicked it off well so we're we're so great Chris would you would you Absolutely. close us out Serena I want to pray for you and Bruce and uh, for the church and for others. Father, thank you for the chance we've had to have an honest conversation today. God, thank you for Serena, for the ability for her to take the pain of her story and use it, Lord, for your kingdom's sake. God, I I believe she's in a powerful place nationally, globally, to speak your truth and allow you, uh, Lord, to transform lives. So I pray you uh, just preordain all of her contacts God, that you meet and supply the need that Bruce and Serena have to continue this ministry going forward. Lord, that you would uh, give her a, a platform to be able to see lives transformed and changed. God, I pray today for the church. I pray for listeners, those who call themselves followers of Jesus. God, help us to see uh, this need as a very real need. God, help us to see our opportunities to play a role in it. God, help us to show love, Lord, to people who are in uh, in a position that is a spot of hurt. God, I pray that you would uh, just help us to truly be a hospital uh, for people who are going through some traumas like this, many other types of traumas as well. God, I pray for the person listening today who may be a post-abortive family, whether it's a, a guy or, or, or a woman. God, I pray for the shame that they may be feeling, that you would change that shame and move it to to healing. God, that your healing hand would be upon these couples. God, I pray that you would take stories, use them for your kingdom's sake. God, challenged, uh, I'm challenged. I think others who are listening are challenged today as well. God, help us to see the world around us and look for ways to make a difference in it for your kingdom's sake, we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, friends, for tuning in to another episode. We are excited to let you know that each Tuesday, well, the next episode will be coming out. So next Tuesday, as you'll be joining us, we're going to be launching off in our Advent series, Advent at Home. We're going to have our guests, Albert and Haley, come and talk to us about the topic of hope, uh, hope that they have experienced in their life. Another Again, another great story about uh, a newborn birth and and how God showed up in the midst of that. So we're really excited to share that discussion with you. It's going to be powerful. Uh, but until the next time, friends, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to uh, you being back here next Tuesday with us again. And until then, grace and peace to each of you. Thanks. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.